Today is 4-20-2020, and you're listening to, what's it called again? Oh, right. You're listening to Corona Toast. Fucking 420 today. Who gives a fuck? Every day is 420 when you're me. No need to celebrate. That is what it is. So much has happened since the last time we hath spoketh. And so much has happened even in the time since I interviewed tonight's guest. And by tonight, I mean today. And by today, I mean really any time. I'm saying tonight because it's night now. It's really not even night. It's evening. But we have a guest that you'll be listening to shortly after the completion of my introductory monologue. I've been trying to get this podcast out for like a week now, but I've just been overwhelmed. My friend Ned Phillips hit me up with the Phantom of the Opera podcast that we worked on oh so, so long ago. We really wanted to get hyped for it because of the uh, the stream this weekend. Did anybody watch it? Did anybody watch Phantom of the Opera on YouTube? I couldn't, despite being a tremendous fan. It just makes me too sad. Even though I love it more than any of you, I just feel too weak now. You know, the cracks, the cracks are starting to show. My armor is breaking, breaking apart. Uh, I'm definitely starting to feel the loneliness. Uh, from all this quarantine shit. I cried thinking about my dad today. I've been thinking about uh, lost loves, things of that nature. I just couldn't handle the Phantom of the Opera. But fortunately, speaking of love, there's a new beacon on the horizon. Um, I wouldn't really call it a beacon right now. It's more of a more of a, a drowning a drowning sea vessel, maybe like a submarine uh, with a hole in its side, or maybe it's just a fucking torpedo headed in our direction. But the Bachelor franchise uh, has a new a new show called Listen to Your Heart. Believe it or not, I am actually a huge fan of The Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelor Winter Games. I've been a part of Bachelor Nation for, I don't know, three years now, I guess. Uh, I just watched the last season um, with... Um, uh, yeah, that's how good the last season was. I can't even remember. Peter, that's right. Peter Weber, Peter the pilot. Uh, shout out to Amanda Alvarez for watching that uh, that season with me. But uh, I started watching Listen to Your Heart. It looks like absolute garbage. The first episode was painful. Uh, it took me three days of watching. I was actually super wasted the first time I tried to watch it. 
by the third time, I was uh, mostly sober and I was able to get through. It was all, it was a rough start, but uh, by the end of the first episode, I decided I, I will be back. So I will be watching that. Anybody that would like to uh, dish with me about The Bachelor, colon, listen to your heart, please hit me up uh, on my Instagram. That's Juan underscore Huevos. Or uh, as always, I'm begging y'all, please, please, somebody... Send an email to coronatos at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Because, you know, there's just, there's so much I want to do on here. I, I would love some feedback. I mean, I, I'd love to do something like misconnections. Uh, you know, the locals will remember it from the independent, but I'm sure all of you in your local city newspaper rag uh, have had something similar. You know, like, uh, oh, I was in Harris Teeter on Wednesday. You had brown hair and a ponytail, you looked like you had just worked out, or at least you smelled like you did, but you had white shorts on, we made eye contact, you looked away immediately, I kept staring, eventually you looked at me, and then you looked down, and then you picked up your cell phone and acted like you were talking on the phone, but it looked like you were talking on the phone, at least, I'm pretty sure you were faking it just to avoid me, uh, maybe call me sometime, you know, that kind of shit, um, I'd love to do that. I want to do, I want to give y'all advice, whether it's, uh, you know, relationship advice or just life advice, uh, confessions. I've been wanting to do the confessions uh, for real, you know, all your quarantine confessions, erotic or otherwise, but I'm not getting a lot of action at coronatoast at gmail.com. And um, I think I've expressed multiple times how much I would love, I would love to meet some of y'all over there in my email. <laughs> I'm really amazed by all these people protesting right now who are saying that they want to go back to work because aren't these the same people who are protesting all the time saying they can't get a job because Mexicans took all their jobs? So so what job do they want to go work at? That That's what I'm confused about. Speaking of Mexico, today's guest currently resides in Mexico City. His name is Dylan Angel and he's a Lothario of literature, a prince of poetry, a baron of books, if you will. I talked to him Sunday, Easter Sunday. And you know, I apologize for not being a better journalist because if I, if I was a good one, I certainly would have asked him for his take on what Easter is like in a time such as this, in a place such as that. Because last time I was in Mexico, I was trying to leave a small town by the name of Huajuapan de Leon on Easter Sunday at the bus station, a very small bus station, and it was packed. It was packed so full. It was insane. I was holding my suitcase over my head. I thought I would not make my bus. It was a very stressful goodbye to my girlfriend. It would be the last time I would see her uh, with us as a couple after a very, very whirlwind, very hectic trip. Shout out to Juan, not me. Juan the grifter, Juan the pervert. That's another story, but it was insane. Someday I'll tell y'all more about my times, my times in Mexico. I've got a lot to say about that. But today, today it's about Dylan Angel and what he has to say about living in Mexico City in times of Corona crises. So without further ado, it's interview time. Okay, I am talking to Dylan Angel, who is uh, originally... I believe a Durham, North Carolina resident, but you are now 
living in Mexico City. Is that correct? That is correct. And how long have you been down there? Uh, I had a residency here last April, and I was here for that whole month. And then I basically fell in with a crew of artists. Um, I'm a writer, so I was making a book here. And then I basically went back to New York, where I'd been living for a decade, worked all summer, saved up some money, came back here in late August, and I've more or less been here since then. So were you plan- when you went down there, though, you weren't planning on moving there, were you? When I went in April, I, I went just for the residency. And then I basically just like... I've been here once before that, but it's kind of the same. Like, like if you were to visit New York then there's an image of New York that you get from visiting. And then there's the image you get from having your friends take you around and you go to, you know, the underground clubs or the more DIY art scene and whatnot. Then you kind of get an idea of what it's actually like to live there. So when I was there for April, in April, I was just kind of introduced to this crew of cool people. And, and I met the woman who I'm now in a relationship with. Um, so there's that, but yeah, I just basically fell in with the cool scene of people. And then I went back to New York to save up some money with the intention of staying here. Yeah. Well, yeah, give it up for, uh, give it up for that new relationship. That shit is tight. Um, when were yeah. you, so when were you back in, how long ago were you back in New York? I haven't lived there since August. I but, mean, I moved here late August. So I was there for part of August. Okay. So you missed all the the coronavirus action that's going on there now. Yeah, totally. I mean, last time I was in the States, which was last time I saw you, was um, when I went to North Carolina around the holidays. Um, so that was my last time in proximity to New York City, but I didn't visit at that time. So yeah, long before I didn't, you know, coronavirus was not anybody's radar in August. So what has it, what has it been like living in Mexico City during all this? It's been hard to watch my friends go through what they're going through in New York. Um, I've had a handful of friends get sick. Um, obviously, there's a lack of resources and a lack of tests. So they can't say for sure if they had coronavirus. But, um, but they had all the symptoms. They would call a doctor or whomever, and they were instructed to stay home and wait it out. Um, so I've had a few friends get very, very sick, and luckily they've all pulled through. You know, then obviously we're all living in the year 2020, so we're all watching our friends have panic attacks on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, no shit. So it's been interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I'm not there right now, but, you know, it's hard to say who will be next, what city will be next as far as getting hit, as hard as New York's getting hit. Well, yeah, I know it's got to be painful to have uh, friends up there that you're worried about. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, we all have friends um, all over the world who are affected by this, but I know that you were, like you said, in New York for a really long time, so I know you're really well connected there, and you probably know a lot of people who are having a hard time right now. What's the scene like in, in Mexico City, though? As of tomorrow, I've been laying low for about a month. Um, I'd say about two weeks ago, everybody kind of fell in line and the city kind of officially quieted down about two weeks ago. So that's maybe a week or two weeks after New York and much of the U.S. started to slow down. Um, right now, they say that there's like 4,000 cases in the whole entire country. Um, that said, you know, Mexico City is... There's 20 million people living here. 
So that's, you know, more or less twice as many people as, are, as there are in New York City. Um, so there's a lot of people living on top of each other. On the day-to-day, um, like much of Mexico, it's mostly outdoor markets. There's outdoor food stands and whatnot. So it's kind of a city that's got a lot of people mingling, a lot of people, um, you know, if you go and you order your food from an outdoor taco stand, then there's there's a pretty high chance that, you know, 100 people might just breathe on the food that you're ordering. Damn. There's a lot of risk, but, um, but it seems like people have fallen in line pretty quickly. So they, they say that we're ahead of the curb, but, you know, um, it's hard to know when, if people know what they're talking about, but um, but they have two they have two broadcasts a day where the where these doctors and scientists talk about the progress that's been made in the morning and at night. And unlike the U.S., it's there's no politicians at these meetings. It's just doctors and scientists. So they kind of give you a regular update. So that seems like solid information. Um, when I go to the grocery store here. Um, they only let in 10 people at a time. We all stand in line outside, like six feet apart from each other. And, you know, they have like the, the riot gear, like mask. And like everybody's working there as a like, big shielded mask and their mouths and hands covered. And, uh, and they check your temperature before you go in. They check your temperature before you go in? Yeah, they have a, it's like the thing that you see, you'll see it like when you see footage in Korea and whatnot, where it's like the, the thermometer that they just kind of hovers over your forehead. Yeah, yeah. It's like they point a little gun at your face and it and it gets your temperature, right? Yeah, you're in the crosshairs. Yeah, man. Crazy. <laughs> so, you know, back home in uh, North Carolina, I got a Harris Teeter right around the corner. And, I mean, it's, it's business as usual, except, you know, most people are wearing masks and some people got gloves and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same. But this is the first time I heard about people getting their, uh, their temperature checked. That's pretty dope, actually. Yes. Um, I mean, I was telling a friend of mine today that, uh, you know, if I can get my temperature checked uh, but, and avoid going to see a doctor or step into a hospital right now, then, like, I'm happy to just if – can, if I can, like, go out in public or, like, get my groceries – and get my temperature checked and realize I don't have a fever, then it's like it's like a two-in-one stop and shop, you know. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty uh, a pretty dope day, actually, right there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These days, man, that's like uh, that's a fucking that's a winner. You live in probably like a relatively urban area, I'm guessing. Yeah. Now you said you were closing your window because uh, sometimes a man likes to play trumpet, and I'm conf- I, normally if I heard that story, I would assume that that man was you. So is there like a, like a Dylan from like another dimension who's like living there? Is this like your arch rival? Do you guys ever like battle? Do you ever like trumpet battle? Well, I'm on the eighth floor. So, um, and there's a courtyard behind us. So, so what happens is, and this happens with all kinds, you know, not just trumpet players, but different musicians come through and, uh, and people will like throw coins out the window while musicians play in the courtyard which I think there's like 12 floors in my building. So I imagine that gets kind of dangerous. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, sometimes, because I'll play for like 30 minutes, you know, I'm a writer. So, uh, so sometimes I'm just like, I can't hear myself think. So uh, there has been times where I've gotten my trumpet and I basically just pointed it out the window and I've just blasted back at him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's good. And then how uh, how does how does how does he react? I mean, you know, I don't even I don't even know if he knows where it's coming from or if he thinks it's some weird echo and he realizes that he he sounds terrible and, and walks away in defeat or <laughs> you know, I don't think he knows. And it's I mean, you know, this is mariachi country. Yeah, the ho- horns are prevalent. Yeah. So if if the whole if every trumpet player in the building decided to turn against this guy, then I probably wouldn't be the only one. Have you ever seen him on the street and been like, "That that's the fucking trumpet guy? Yeah, totally. I mean, but there's a, there's a lot of trumpet. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, they, they show, you see all this footage of like people singing out their window and in, uh, in Italy and stuff. And um, that's just kind of how it is here all the time. And in a way, I think it's kind of, there's always people busking on the street playing music, and they're usually pretty mobile. So so a lot of times they will just stand outside of your apartment. And now it just seems like there's more of them. Or there's the trumpet players who just play, who just stayed at home, and they realize that that might be their, uh, their ticket to like go on a walk and make a little bit of money right now, you know? So it seems like there's more trumpet guys right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because part of me wants to be like, yo, everybody needs to stay inside. But at the same time, it's like, this is a time to hustle. You know, if you got to hustle and you need money, like, by all means, get your hustle on, you know? So I'm not going to hate on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've been to shows where the um, where there's plenty of social distancing. And uh, it's kind of like, when, when, as a performer, you've had the thing where it's like, why is the whole entire audience standing 10 feet away from the stage? Oh, yo, let me tell you, I've definitely played a lot of shows where the crowd was uh, was social distancing before <laughs> before it was a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so these guys just figured out that, you know, that works for them. Tell me, uh, tell me a little about this crew that you fell in with, man. I made a book here in April and, and like my friend Ramon has a screen printing studio and he helped... Like, we screen printed every copy of that book by hand. Um, so he's someone who I've been collaborating with. The book that I was I was reading from last January when we read together, like, that's with this group that have a space called Atia. Um, I don't know. You know, it's just kind of the same thing. Like, there's there's a weirdo music scene here. There's, there's a very strong digital art scene. Um, there's a big book making scene like i live right on i live in Torres, technically and that's on the border of roma which is kind of the williamsburg of mexico city but Torres, the deeper you go into it it's more industrial and it's uh and it's like this whole book making neighborhood so they have uh so you can get like custom made paper people will help you bind your books and and there's kind of cool printing tools um so i kind of fell into a scene of a lot of writers and bookmakers i've been organizing a lot of readings down here um a lot of the readings i do i'll collaborate with musicians so they'll be performing live what like basically creating kind of a live soundtrack to my stories so it's kind of um you know, it's just kind of the people I, I tend to gravitate towards regardless of if I'm in North Carolina, New York, Mexico City or wherever. No, man, I'm uh, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling the neighborhood of, of bookmakers and that whole shit. Um, so the residency, like, did you know that there was a scene that was like quite this perfect for you? 
um, when you came down for the residency? I mean, did you come down here to make books? So just so the audience knows, like you've been, you've been quote unquote making books for like a, a minute now. This isn't like new to you. You have like basically like your own book label. What, what do you, <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, but like, you know, I think of things in terms of like labels, right? I'm like, you got a book label, but you probably don't call it a book label. What do you call it? Tell, tell, tell us about your shit. It's a press. Yes. Uh, I, my press is called basic battles books. Um, I've officially put out five books, which are all, um, all my writing. Some of them are collaborative projects where I've worked with photographers specifically. I've worked a few times with a photographer named Aaron Taylor Kennedy, who's a woman who lives in New York city. Um, I've also put out a couple like smaller scenes. Yeah. I, I, I guess I've been doing it for about four years. Um, as far as, knowing that the scene was going to be here. I've done a couple other residencies and like I, I did one and that was kind of close to Big Sur and basically they just dropped you off in the woods and left you alone in your with your ideas. And like this situation was kind of much more social and collaborative than I had expected. So I kind of thought I was just going to be in a, a city that I thought was cool and I just kind of lay low and write. And, um, but very quickly, I fell in with, like, a cool crew. I did four readings here in the month of April. So, and I think I've done, like, 12 since I, I've been back. So, yeah, it's kind of, there's a lot of readings. I, I try not to just fully hang out with the expat crew, even though there is a big expat crew. There's a lot of expat writers here. So, when I organize readings, I try to make it 50-50 Spanish speakers, English speakers. But yeah, I mean, people more or less tend to be able to understand what I'm saying. But regardless, that's part of why I do the collaborations with the musicians. If people don't know what I'm saying, they can at least kind of lean, lean back and enjoy the music. And there's some element for them to, to you know, take part in. That's dope, man. I'm a... Uh... I'm I'm about I'm like a really like all about everything that you're doing right now, especially especially having this conversation. I'm just like this this is perfect for you, man. Yeah, thank you. So I know you as I guess if I thought of you, the first thing I would think is is poet at this point in time. I know you're you're a bit of a Renaissance man. You've done a lot of different things um, in a lot of different places, but I think of you as a poet first. And I asked you to uh, prepare a couple poems for us. Um, and you said you had some material that was quarantine related and sure. I would love it if you would share, uh, share some of it with us. I've been writing regularly since I've been on lockdown. Um, I've been referring to this as the quarantine journal. Um, I think I have 16 pieces written so far, but yeah, I'll just, this is actually the first one I wrote and none of them have titles. So consider this a performance. Like all performances, there are two basic elements available to you, time and space. Each of these elements will be defined by their relationship to the performer's actions, you. A large room can be turned into something quite small depending on the performer's demands, you. For example, if a performer leads the audience's eye towards a certain corner, then the audience will turn their backs to the rest of the room. By focusing on a single corner, the rest of the room will disappear. At this moment in time, the room is the world and the corner is your home. Imagine that the view from your window is a projection. Now think of an old film. 
One where it is obvious that a character is riding in a car that is standing still. In the background, mountains, oceans, highways, its projection. Now imagine in your current situation that you're experiencing the opposite. The stillness outside is the projection, and you, a character seen in the foreground, is a blur of constant motion. You are unidentifiable and can only be seen as a silhouette muddied by this way of motion. Now you must give yourself permission and allow your thoughts, judgments, and understandings to break from the restraints of your traditional thought patterns. If the mirror shows an obscured silhouette, then you must accept that your thoughts are no longer your personality and appearance is not persona. You are free to let go in quarantine. <laughs> nice buddy man i was just zoning out man i was like i know i'm gonna know when it's done but i was just taking it all in that was fucking dope man keep them keep them coming airplanes are officially grounded in mexico in theory there will be no flights from mexico until april 20th which is hitler's birthday and the anniversary of the columbine massacre it feels strange to be landlocked but i suppose this is what god intended for featherless and wingless birds like ourselves I am not afraid to be here any more than I would be to be anywhere else on this planet at this time. It's been disheartening and strange to see my friends go through a pandemic via social media and media media. Meanwhile, outside my window, the world has spun at its usual speed, and crowds gather as if they are organizing for the day that we can all die laughing. I grew up not too far from the ocean. I believe that growing up close to the ocean wires one's brain to constantly map out mental escape routes. One is never totally bound by land. For the first time in my life, traveling by sky is not an option. So like all of us, I am learning stillness. Right. Yo, by the way, um, man, 420, huh? Hitler's birthday. How many fucking stoners out there are just like fucking up, man, when they're, <laughs> they're fucking yeah, part, partying on that, his fucking birthday, seemed, man? Seemed a little too, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to tickle the stoners, you know? I wanted to uh, use this opportunity to play a little game. It's, it's a true, it's a true false, Okay. So basically, uh -huh. I'm going to say true or false. I'm going to hit you with a line, and you need to answer uh, whether it's true or false as quickly as possible, okay? Okay. And um, if we uh, need to go back and, uh, and like, uh, further uh, break down anything that we discuss, uh, we can do that. But for now, we're just going to rock the game. I'm just going to, I'm going to be firing these at you, man, true or false, and uh, you just let us know which one it is, okay? Okay. All right. Are you ready, man? This is no joke. Like, are you, are you fucking, are you ready? I'm so ready. I'm so pumped. All right. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. True or false. You're named after Bob Dylan. False. True or false. You used to be an overalls model. Uh, true. True or false. You once hopped a freight train dressed entirely in white. True. True or false. You have eaten peyote. False. True or false. You have been mistaken for Jesus Christ. Uh, True. True or false, you have been mistaken for French porn star Manuel Ferrara. Not to my knowledge, false. <laughs> True or false, one time you and I were asked to leave a party full of Duke kids while you were wearing a full-face motorcycle helmet inside. Is that true? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I it's true. 
You were one, true. It's true, man. It's true. You were beat, yeah. you were beating your your head uh, profusely, and needless to say, we were not very popular. Well, f- well, it's clear to say that I probably a bunch of other shit probably happened before that. If I don't remember it. Oh, there was a lot going on, my friend. It was a special. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a special evening. True or false, you were once in a supergroup with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen and Angel Olsen that was called Dylan Angel Olsen Twins. I wish I could say true, but it's false. True or false, the reason you are living in Mexico is because you are a fugitive wanted for stealing hearts. Uh, False. True or false, one time you didn't speak for a year because someone bet you $5 you couldn't do it. False. True or false, you burned down a house. False. True or false, you burned down a church. False. True or false, you burned down a middle school. Uh, well, it was an elementary school. And there was <laughs> oh, four other people there, and technically I didn't I didn't light anything, but I was there. Uh-huh, okay, you were there, I see. So true, I guess. I see. As far as the my, my record as a juvenile delinquent goes, which has now been erased because I'm no longer a juvenile, um, true. Okay, okay, that's good. Thank you for the clarification. True or false, these days you prefer turning up over burning down. Turning up? <laughs> yeah, man. Turning <laughs> up, that, bro. Partying, man. Is that some, is that some hip-hop? <laughs> oh, hip-hop? man. Give it up for Dylan Angel not knowing uh, <laughs> not knowing the hip slang. Uh, yeah, man, turn it up. Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and answer for you. We're going to say the answer is true. We're going to say the answer is true. Okay. But yeah, man, you, uh, one time, me and Pat McKinley, we ran into you mm-hmm. somewhere. Uh, maybe I played a show. I have no idea what happened. You were on your BMX bike. We ended up at like a like a party house. It was basically like a bunch of girls in this house. We were there. There were some other people there. And there was a party next door. And it was a bunch of like Duke swimmers. And they were having some kind of like sexy frat party. And we were like, let's go over there and, you know, be awkward and fuck with them. So I don't know if we all just like dressed up or if everyone just had like a fucking weird vibe. But you had on a motorcycle helmet and we just walked in this party. There's a bunch of like frat boys and like Speedos and girls probably dressed up like uh, very scantily. And uh, we were there for about a minute and then uh, we were politely asked to leave. I used to do this thing when I was in high school, me and my friends who would all be hanging out on Ninth Street and stuff. We'd go to uh, some of the frat houses on Duke campus and we would, um, you know, like the Simpsons thing where Mo would get prank called and he'd call somebody's name. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Like I would walk in and I'd be like 15 and I'd be like, my little brother, my big brother's here. I need to talk to my brother. And they're like, and I need to find them. And they'd be like, what's your brother's name? And then, you know, I'd say, like, I need a pee or something. And, uh, <laughs> and then they'd be like, turn down the music and somebody would yell the name. So that used to be, I used to fuck with Duke students a lot. <laughs> well, you know what, man? I wish, uh, I wish you were still fucking with them. Um, but maybe yeah. in some kind of way you are just by being uh, cooler. Cooler than yeah, that. well, it's a, good, it's a much better look when you're 36 and you're walking into a frat house <laughs> and shit. Yeah, man, we need to get you back here. We need to get you back here. But, you know, right now a frat house is not a safe place for uh, for anybody. No. Usually they're not safe for anybody ever, but they're particularly um, – they're particularly unsafe right now. So we want to keep you where you are. We want to keep you safe. It sounds to me like you are killing it in uh, in Booktown, baby. 
Yeah, things are good. So we did that poetry reading that was in January. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me to do that. It was really nice to remind the the world that uh, I'm a man of many talents. And mm -hmm. uh, I think I surprised a lot of people when I said that I was doing that. I'm really glad I did it. And I thank you for uh, for making that night happen. For those that don't know, uh, Dylan Angel put together a uh, awesome poetry reading at Nightlight, which is a spot that uh, I just shouted out on my bonus episode of local businesses that I think y'all should all uh, support. I just shouted out Nightlight, but um, we had an awesome time there. And I wanted to tell you, man, I, uh, I just said, fuck it, I'm 40 years old and uh, I smoked weed in front of your mom. That night? Yeah, she came outside. I was actually smoking a spliff, and she uh, she was disappointed to see that I was smoking cigarettes. She let me know that she was she didn't like uh, you know she didn't so much say I don't like you smoking cigarettes, but she made it clear that she was disappointed that I was smoking a cigarette. And I said, actually, it's mostly weed. Um, and she's okay with that. I I you know I wouldn't say she was okay with it. She seemed not super excited about it. But I said to myself, you know what? I'm I'm an adult now. I may have known this woman since I was <laughs> since I was 15, but I am an adult now. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to hide the fact that I, I'm smoking marijuana at a poetry show of all places, you know? I mean, if there's anywhere you should be smoking weed, it's at a poetry show. Am I right? Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I don't think my mom would judge. I think she's, you know, as long as you're... Uh you're being kind you're enjoying yourself you know i don't think you would uh yeah man we talked about the stars me. man it was a beautiful it was a beautiful night i told her how uh, how great i thought you were so no i don't i don't think <laughs> i gave her anything to be upset about it's always great to see uh to see jim and kathy caitlin noah yeah hey let me say one more thing about the um the reading at nightlight yeah please um you know, I like your I like your music. I think I like the the sonic element of it. I like your writing when you rap. But you know, and there's there's it's always fun, and it's and there's some elements that are like very deep. But it was nice balance hearing your your written work, your poetry, and and whatnot, where it felt a lot more balanced as far as uh like it was still really funny really entertaining but but it was it was really deep it was good it was really good work i was i knew it was going to be good i knew it was going to be entertaining but i was i was surprised at the depth of what you presented wow dylan thank you man that means that means so much uh especially coming from you man you know uh you were like you know you were my homie's little brother um, back in the day, you know, which meant that like you, you had to get, you know, shit on regardless, but I've really <laughs> watched you grow into a man and, um, I'll never forget coming to see you, uh, read at all day records. And I knew you weren't a slouch, but on that day I was like, man, Dylan is the shit, man. And both, uh, both me and Pat left there like, man, that dude, that dude's killing it. And, uh, so it was awesome to share a stage with you, man. And it was, it was awesome to do this podcast with you, man. And. I appreciate you playing my little games and shit, man. Being a good sport. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
Today is 420 Bra 2020, and you're listening to Karate Tales. Hey man, it's 420 2020 and you're listening to Corona Toes. <laughs> Corona Toes. Hey man, today's 420 2020 and you're listening to Corona Toes. <laughs> <laughs> 